Welcome to another episode of the Religious Studies Project, brought to you by myself, Christopher Carter, and himself, David Robertson. What have we got this week? This week we've got uh, Damon Lycarinos speaking with Ethan Doyle-White on the history, beliefs, and practices, a critical introduction to the history, beliefs, and practices of Wiccans. Excellent. Well, I think, without further ado, that we should pass straight over. Hello, my name is Damon Licorinos, and today I'm going to be interviewing Ethan Doyle-White on behalf of the Religious Studies Project. Ethan is currently engaged in his doctoral research project at the University College of London, examining the archaeological and historical evidence for material expressions of religiosity in Anglo-Saxon England. His two primary research interests, on the one hand, looking at the religious beliefs and practices of early medieval England, and on the other, examining contemporary paganism and related forms of occultism. His first book, Wicca, History, Belief and Community in Modern Pagan Witchcraft, has recently been brought out by Sussex Academic Press, and this is what we're going to be primarily discussing today. So, Ethan. Hello. Hi. Can I ask you a question then about your book? Yeah, please do. Okay. <laughs> Most scholars um, studying the phenomenon of modern paganism could possibly argue that Wicca is the most popular and widespread modern pagan path based on sheer numbers identifying as Wiccans, book sales, the media and the very popularity of the term. Would you agree with this? Uh, I certainly would, yes. Um, most of the evidence we have available to us from uh, sociological studies, as well as sort of anthropological-based ethnographic uh, reports, do certainly suggest that Wicca is the largest religion within sort of contemporary paganism, um, with what are likely to be in the low hundreds of thousands of participants globally. Uh, it's particularly strong in, in the US, in Canada, UK, and Australia. Of course, in other parts of the world, other forms of contemporary paganism are instead stronger, for instance, uh, in a lot of northern and eastern and central Europe, more ethnic-based paganisms are predominate. Uh, but globally, I would say the sheer numbers of Wiccans outweigh those of other forms of contemporary paganism. Okay, brilliant. Um, many practitioners claim that Wicca is a continuity of European pre-Christian religious beliefs and practices. Could you discuss maybe the validity of this claim and also discuss the historical origins of Wicca? Right, yeah. Uh, fundamentally, from a, from a historical perspective, this idea that Wicca is the survival of an ancient pre-Christian religion, it just isn't true. Um, but it is an important mythical origin story, um, which some Wiccans treat literally, and others, probably in the majority, treat more as a metaphor. I would suggest that most Wiccans recognise that Wicca is a new religious movement, um, with its origins in Britain during the early to mid-20th century. That being said, the sort of to look even further back into, into the 19th century is where we have to look if we want to see where Wicca really comes from, the idea behind Wicca. Uh, it was at that point that a variety of, a number of revisionist historians, people like Jules Michelet, uh, began arguing that the, the witch trials of the early modern period had not been an attempt to counteract a satanic cult of witches, or that it was just a response to sort of mass hysteria, but rather it was an attempt by Christian authorities 
to put a stop to a surviving pre-Christian religion of witches who were devoted to a cult of a horned god, a horned god of fertility. That idea reached its apogee in the early 20th century when it was picked up by an Egyptologist named Margaret Murray. Now, when the First World War broke out, she was unable to travel to Egypt to carry out archaeological excavation and so turned to the history of witchcraft as a subject she could dabble in. She subsequently published a number of books, the most prominent of which were The Witch Cult in Western Europe and then The God of the Witches. Uh, these books proved very influential, very popular within the British occult milieu. And fairly soon, in, from the period roughly between the 1930s and the 1960s, we had a variety of individuals and groups springing up in different places in Britain, but also to an extent in places like Australia and in the United States, with individuals claiming that they were the practitioners of this Murrayite witch cult. Now, by far the most prominent of these individuals was the uh, Englishman Gerald Gardner. He had a background in occultism. He'd been involved in a Rosicrucian group uh, and various other things. And he claimed that in 1939, on the eve of the Second World War, he had been initiated into a coven of witches based in the New Forest in, in southern England, or the New Forest area, not the forest itself. Now, there is a lot of debate as to whether this new forest coven ever existed or not, or whether it was just a sheer fabrication of gardeners. Um, frankly, you'll probably never know for sure. I personally am inclined to believe that there was a group he was involved with, um, but others like Chaz S. Clifton have argued um, that it's probably completely fictitious. So there's still some debate on that issue. What is clear, however, is that in the 1950s and certainly into the early 1960s, Gerald Gardner went on to promote his version of this religion, which has come to be known as Gardnerian Week, uh, through founding covens across England, uh, and soon they also spread to Australia and the United States and elsewhere. And from there it sort of grew into different forms, different traditions, and Wicca sort of expanded into this system widespread religion that we now understand it to be. However, in the 1960s, uh, academic historians really came to reject the Murrayite theory. They argued that there never had been a cult of witches in early modern Christendom, uh, whether pagan or satanic, uh, pagan in this sense being pre-Christian as opposed to uh, contemporary pagan. These new academic ideas did filter into the Wiccan community, and many now do recognise Wicca is a new religious movement. However, this being said, claims to having connections with the ancient past are still very, very strong within the Wiccan community as they are in other forms of contemporary paganism. There is, for instance, a sense that Wiccans and other modern pagans are the heirs, the spiritual heirs, to the ancient pagans, to the ancient pre-Christian peoples of Europe. And this can, in some respects, be seen as a legitimation strategy, i.e. the ancient past is used as a source of authenticity to validate contemporary beliefs and practices on both a personal psychological level and a sort of wider social level. So you'll often see Wiccans interviewed in the media refer to how they are, the, they are continuing the beliefs of the ancient peoples. 
So this connection with the past is still very, very strong. Okay, thank you very much for that. So what would you identify as the key theological elements and ritual practices that define Wicca as um, a distinct expression of modern paganism? Um, Dealing with the the theological aspects uh, firsthand, um, that can be a difficult issue to pin down because actually there's a huge array of theological positions within Wicca. Uh, as it developed, it was often duotheistic or bi-theistic, focusing around uh, two deities, one the goddess, one the god. Uh, the god was usually portrayed as the horned god, this horned god of fertility associated with pre-Christian deities like Pan and Kernunos. Uh, the goddess was most often associated with the idea of a mother goddess, but also the concept of a triple goddess, the goddess being the maiden, the mother, and the crone. So these were sort of pervasive ideas when Wicca was developing in the 50s and 60s. However, since that point, you've seen Wicca, branches of Wicca or traditions of Wicca uh, take off in explicitly monotheistic directions. You've seen Dianic Wicca and other forms of um, the religion heavily influenced by second-wave feminism focusing solely around the goddess, rejecting uh, the utility of the god. Other groups have gone in a more polytheistic direction and and introduced a whole pantheon of different deities. And of course, some Wiccans are atheists or agnostics. And while they work with these deity forms, they perceive them as being Jungian archetypes or something of that nature. So really, the only core commonality here is the sense that these are all ancient deities that are being revived. So again, it's this sort of legitimation by reference to the ancient past. Moving on to ritual practices, which was the other thing you mentioned, uh, Wicca typically revolves around um, a ritual structure borrowed from ceremonial magic and other forms of Western esotericism and more specifically occultism, i.e. this use of the sacred circle even if it's sometimes used in manners different to other ceremonial magic groups. The use of ritual tools, such as the athani or ritual knife, the wand, the pentacle, the censer of incense, there are all these sorts of things that um, are used. Uh, Some wicked rituals are very complex and have long liturgies that need to be followed. But on the other hand, you have Wiccans who might just light a candle and and uh, provide words over a candle. So there is this diversity in in Wicca, both in theological and ritual terms. And I actually find it difficult to define Wicca as a distinct expression of modern paganism by reference purely to its theology or purely to its ritual structure. For me, I think you have to take an almost family resemblance model, um, looking at the theology, looking at the ritual practices, looking at the self-designation of Wicca as witchcraft, and looking at the faith's history in order to define it, if that makes sense. Yes, makes perfect sense. Um, just another question. In your book, you refer to Wicca as a religion and as a faith sometimes. Um, yeah. And you've also just said that a lot of the, the origins of Wicca come uh, rest with um, Western ceremonial magic. Mm. So how do these concepts of religion, faith and magic merge within the construction of Wicca? Right, yeah, um... I mean, as I use the terms religion and faith, I I use them in my book really because I know they are going to be widely understood roughly by readers in Western contexts. But 
I would say that Wicca is probably best described as a magical religion because it really does blur these boundaries of what is religion, what is uh, magic. And I appreciate I don't want to go into huge depth as to the distinction between magic and religion because we really would be here all day. Um, of course, yeah. And also related to this is the debate on the definition of religion, which is again a colossal area of contention. But Wicca, like other forms of certain other forms of, of religiosity, really does blur this distinction between rich religion and magic um, to the extent that I don't really think it's possible to separate them clearly in, in the Wiccan context. Okay, brilliant. Um, there's um, recently there's been this movement um, within um, the Western occult scene of so-called yeah. traditional witches. Differentiating yes. themselves from Wicca, and, and specifically, they refer to themselves as um, basically traditional witchcraft. So, yeah. could you discuss this a bit? Yeah, the, the the term traditional witchcraft really begins to get going in the early nineteen nineties, um, and I, I would argue it is. Now, I'm currently working on an article on the subject. Is that it is to some extent a legitimation strategy, emphasising tradition as a way of connecting to the past. Now, what I find really interesting is that those using traditional, the term traditional witchcraft come from a really quite wide array of backgrounds. Some of those who use the term really have very little to do with Wicca or modern paganism. For example, you have uh, the cult of Sabata, founded by uh, the uh, Englishman, uh, the late Englishman, uh, Andrew Chumley. Now, that is a Luciferian tradition, that, again, is really quite distinct from Wicca, but they are using the term traditional witchcraft. On the other hand, you have individuals who are practicing a, a religion, for want of a better word, that is quite clearly analytically a form of Wicca, but they don't like the term Wicca, and they prefer the term traditional witchcraft. Uh, for instance, Ronald Hutton, in his, um, his classic book, The Triumph of the Moon, refers to three covens that he knew were founded in the 1980s, and which at the time referred to themselves as Wiccan, that in the 1990s started changing tactic and calling themselves traditional witchcraft. So the term, it's sort of a taxonomic term um, that I suggest is adopted by Wiccans, but it is, of course, adopted by others as well, but as a kind of reaction to the uh, deterioration of faith in the Murrayite theory of the pre-Christian witchcraft, coupled with the increasingly critical research on the history of Gerald Gardner and his Gardnerian Wiccan tradition that was, for instance, conduct, conducted and published by Aidan Kelly in the early 1990s. So it's a sense of, as people begin to lose faith in traditional Wiccan origin stories, some then seek to legitimate their position by saying, oh, we're not Wiccans, we're traditional witches. So that's how I see it. But I, my thoughts on this are still, um, still a work in progress to some extent. Yeah, I look forward to reading the article, by the way. Um, you mention in your book that the Wiccan community is divided over initiatory structures, some of which are referred to as British traditional Wicca and the more current eclectic parts. Could you explain this maybe in reference to the importance of the notion of initiation? Right, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, Wicca, like, like many other religions, is, is divided among different sectarian lines, wrong for the term. Uh, these denominations are usually referred to as traditions within, uh, within terminology. And this has been the case since, since the origins of the movement. 
they often seek to delegitimize one another, presenting themselves as being the proper way of doing things. Uh, certainly, Gardner had his version of Wicca as it developed in the sort of possibly the late 1940s, but into certainly the 1950s. It was based on a clear lineage tradition. You had to be initiated into Wicca in a ceremony conducted by a pre-existing practitioner. Um, and in this, he was influenced by, for instance, Masonic and uh, other ceremonial and magical ways of doing things. And of course, you had this Gardnerian tradition that developed from him. You then had a splinter group, the Alexandrian tradition, that emerged out of that in the 1960s from a Gardnerian initiate called Alex Sanders, who was based in Manchester and then in London. As these Gardnerian and Alexandrian traditions got supplanted to North America, uh, they came to be known as a British traditional Wicca. Um, and there were all sorts of arguments between British traditional Wiccans and practitioners of other Wiccan traditions, whether it be Dianic Wicca or Fairy Wicca. Um, sometimes British traditional Wiccans said, you can't be Wiccans, you can be witches, but we are the only Wiccans. Um, and there's been much confusion over the etymology of the term Wicca, which I penned down, pinned down in a research article of mine published in um, 2010. Increasingly, you also see British traditional Wiccans referring to other practitioners as eclectic Wiccans. Um, but it should be said that what most of those refer to as eclectic Wiccans do not self-identify as such. Some do, but I would suggest most don't. This has been uh, further complicated by the fact that since the 1970s, you've had a real proliferation of books being published uh, by a huge range of authors um, that basically proselytize in their own way and say, this is how you become a Wiccan. Read this book. Here are the spells you need. Here are the practices you have to conduct. Here are the beliefs you need to adopt. And so that has really enabled thousands of people to basically set themselves up as Wiccans without any need to having been initiated into a pre-existing lineage. So you do have this um, division on the one hand among British traditional Wiccans and several other forms of Wiccan that insist on a lineage, i.e. you have to be initiated in a specific ceremony by a pre-existing practitioner. And on the other hand, you have this larger grouping uh, that basically thinks, well, anyone can be a Wiccan. You don't need anyone else to initiate you into it. You can become one yourself. So there is still this big division and there's lots of, sort of delegitimizations of one another's positions and all these sorts of things. Um, but I'm sure practitioners or scholars studying many different religious movements will, will recognize as having parallels in their own work. I was wondering if, if you could, maybe, if you, um, from your own research, if you could describe how a, a Wiccan initiation rite might take place. <clears throat> But it's interesting, there are, there are different forms. Uh, it is, I won't, won't go into too much detail, but in the, um, the Gardnerian tradition, Alexandrian tradition, these traditions are sort of derived from Gerald Gardner, there is the idea um, that the initiate should be brought uh, naked and blindfolded uh, into the circle, into the coven's uh, circle. And there they will be made to swear oaths to, to the coven. Um, and, and go through a, a series of ritual actions um, 
to bring them into the fold, to, to bring them in, and make them what is called a first-degree initiate. There are, as they progress, they can move through into um, the second degree and eventually the third degree. And this is a structure that is, of course, borrowed from Freemasonry. But on the other hand, you have Wiccans who say, well, you don't need any of that. You can go out on a full moon and profess your veneration of, of the Wiccan deities, and that will make you a Wiccan. For example, in the forms of Dianic Wicca, which is the feminist-oriented orientated form of Wicca, there is the idea that a woman only needs to proclaim, I am a witch, and she can be a Wiccan. So there are different, different forms of initiation or, or entering the community, as it were. You also speak in your book about what um, Wiccans are very involved with spell casting. Could you discuss that a bit? Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, Wicca derives from beliefs or historical theories, really, about witchcraft, about historical European witchcraft. And, of course, a key part of what witches are supposed to do in traditional European culture is that they cast spells. Uh, usually in a negative sense it should be stressed, but certainly from at least the 19th century, the idea of the good witch began to develop as well. Um, whether it be sort of the old village cunning woman who, who could help out, who sometimes be referred to as a white witch, to really things like Glenda the Good Witch and things from the Wizard of Oz and such like. So spellcasting, um, the practice of magic, really does have a core... Uh, it, it is central, in many ways, to Wiccan practice. Um, that can be done, again, in a highly ritualised manner, um, among a coven, following certain liturgies. But it can also be much, much simpler. Uh, a solitary practitioner um, using candle magic, for example. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question. No, no, but, no, um, perfect, brilliant. So just moving away from that for a minute, um, what I found fascinating about your book was that, apart from just discussing, let's say, the beliefs and practices of Wiccans, mm. you also um, have done a lot of research into um, Wicca regarding um, gender rights, environmental issues, socioeconomic policies, and so on. Right, Would you yeah. say that Wicca is, like, is an activist movement? Uh, no, I, I certainly wouldn't describe it as an activist movement. I, I don't think the Wicca is intrinsically uh, politically activist. However, it does contain activists within it. Um, and those activists often really blend their religious, and I use this term religious in quotes, and their socio-political beliefs together in a sort of big ball. It's all intertwined. Um, as it is in many other religions. To, Wicca is to some extent a quite a diverse politically or socio-politically movement. Gerald Gardner and, and many other of the early Wiccans were, for instance, quite right-wing. Gerald Gardner was a conservative, both in terms of small-c conservative values, and also he was a key supporter of the Conservative Party. Doreen Valiente, although she had quite an eclectic array of beliefs, was for a time involved in the political far-right. As Wicca develops, as it moves, as it expands elsewhere, it begins to take on a much clearer leftist current as well. Uh, I've mentioned the Dianic Wiccans, who were influenced um, by second-wave feminism, founded 
by Susanna Budapest in the 1970s. Um, they obviously clearly were merging the concerns of second wave feminism in, in with their working practice. Uh, at the same time, in the United States, you have Eddie Buczynski founding the Minoan Brotherhood as a Wiccan tradition for gay and bisexual men. So again, the concerns of gay liberation, to some extent, being merged with Wiccan belief and practice. And then a little bit later, you have the reclaiming tradition developed by another American who goes by the name of Starhawk, which really blends Wicca with radical left, uh, to some extent anarchist, political concerns. And you can see how they blend it by looking at some of some of their writings. For example, Susanna Budapest includes spells uh, designed to free political prisoners or to hex a rapist. And the reclaiming tradition carried out uh, anti-nuclear protests in which they cast spells. Um, they also carried out many environmentalist protests. And of course, environmentalism is something that it is a closely associated in many people's minds with contemporary paganism more broadly, but also Wicca. Many Wiccan practitioners do refer to theirs as a nature religion, although they're often using this term independently from the analytical use of it by uh, Catherine Albanese. However, research into how environmentalist Wiccans actually are has brought back mixed results. Um, to what extent every, certainly every Wiccan is not involved in environmental activism. While most Wiccans are sympathetic to the environmental cause, there has been research suggesting that they are more likely to sort of cast a spell to preserve Mother Earth rather than actually doing some recycling. So that causes sort of, I suppose, would cause frustration from, what a better word, secular environmentalists, as well as the eco-pagan movement, which is distinct from Wicca, which is very radically environmentalist in its orientation. This being said, I think overall, Wicca contains everything from conservatives on the one hand to communists on the other. Um, the only real political movement I can, I can think of in Western terms that isn't well represented in Wicca, or isn't at all represented in Wicca, um, is, is the far right and sort of fascism and these sorts of things. Although they are, of course, well represented in other forms of contemporary paganism, such as heathenry which is a Germanic-oriented form of paganism. Nevertheless, despite this diversity, uh, ethnographic accounts and sociological data do suggest that there is a clear liberal centre-left to left domination in the Wiccan community. Most Wiccans are fundamentally of the left. Um, but that does not necessarily make them activists, even though some are. <laughs> so. Fascinating. Um how important is gender within Wicca? Because it's like with Gardner, he was even although mm. he was very conservative, he was mm. he did he did venerate mm. the, the female within mm. his writings, and he was quite adamant about the priestess. So, mm. could you just tell us a bit about gender in Wicca? Yeah, well, um, sort of the the uh, the Gardnerian Wicca deriving from Gardner and other related forms of Wicca really do hold to this very symbolic importance of a gender-essentialist divide between men and women, between the god and the goddess. Uh, it's treated as a polarity, but you need one with the other. Um, that the energies of one 
are required to mix with the energies of the other. And that underpins a lot of the ritual structure of Gardnerianism. This, of course, accords quite a high uh, level of respect for women. It puts women on an equal pedestal with men, a goddess alongside a god, uh, a high priestess alongside a high priest. And that, in the context of early to mid-20th century Britain, was a little bit unusual. As Wicca has developed, of course, it's had to take on new new understanding of gender. For instance, I mentioned Eddie Buksinski's The Minoan Brotherhood, which was therefore gained by sexual men. So that obviously changes the gender dynamics of that particular group. Equally, Susanna Budapest's Dianic Wiccan tradition is purely open for women and purely worships a goddess. So again, the gendered elements of that change once more. So in terms of gender roles, it is quite a diverse religion. Um, Regarding your book, um, what methodologies did you employ? Um, What research data did you draw on and stuff? Well, my book is, as I perceive it, something of a textbook, really. It's there to summarise the state of all previous research on Wicca, whether that have been conducted by anthropologists, by scholars of religion, by sociologists, by psychologists, by historians. My own approach is certainly more that of a historian. Um, my other publications on Wicca in uh, various journals have almost all been of a very much more historical bent. Um, so that's my personal approach that I tend to take. But as I said, with the book, I wanted to also represent anthropological, anthropological sociological perspectives, etc. Um, does that answer the question? Yes, or uh, I was just when I was reading, I was just fascinated by a lot of the the interviews you were drawing on to support a lot of the arguments. So yeah. I think you did fantastic research for your book. Um, another question. Recently, there's been um, quite a lot of fuss being made about certain academic researchers who are also practicing Wiccans studying mm. other Wiccans. What is your mm. take on this? Well, it's not just an issue of Wicca, which is a, uh, an issue of the study of contemporary paganism more widely. And this issue is really derived from a review article that was published in the Method and Theory in the Study of Religion Journal back in 2012, I believe. Uh, by Marcus Altino Davidson. He argued that the study of contemporary paganism has been operating in a very theological and phenomenological mould that was out of step with wider theoretical debates in the study of religion. I published a response to him in the Pomegranate, which is the International Journal of Pagan Studies, and then several other responses have since also been published uh, in that journal. Now, it is an interesting uh, debate. Um, The concern really is that many scholars of contemporary paganism are acting as what Russell McCutcheon referred to as curators, curators, in that they are conducting the religious study of religion, or religionism. In doing so, they are adopting insider perspectives and assumptions about what paganism is, and even are actively promoting religion in question. Now, my feeling is that these sort of insider or theological perspectives do certainly have value. 
although it should be said that they do raise certain issues, there is perhaps an issue with paganism, different pagan religions being presented in an idealised manner uh, in, in certain texts, um, downplaying the interpersonal problems that exist within the pagan community, downplaying uh, radical right, far-right involvement, etc. And also presenting practitioner ideas about paganism at Wicca as if they were automatically true. For instance, um, a number of works on the subject, uh, scholarly works on the subject of Wicca, promote the idea that pagans don't convert to paganism, but they, in quotes, come home. Or there's also the promotion of the idea that Wiccans don't proselytize. Now, actually, I think both of these points are demonstrably incorrect, and I argue this in my book and elsewhere. So there is an issue, I think, with certain sort of curatorial roles in contemporary paganism. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to see those conducting such research rejected altogether. So I, I try and take a, a balanced, mixed view, sitting on the fence to some extent between the position taken by Davidson and the position taken by those of his staunch sort of critics. I do think that the study of contemporary paganism, or it's pagan studies as it's often called, does need to shake off some of the heavy theological elements that I think are drawing it back and are giving it a bit of a bad rep, to be frank. Um, you've seen a lot of scholars of Western esotericism, for example, speak of pagan studies in, in, I wouldn't use the word disparaging tone, but they're critical of it. They think it has a lot of methodological problems. And I think that we do need to sort this out. Um, I have a forthcoming article on which I argue that we should actually cease using the term pagan studies and replace it with the academic study of paganism. And there are various reasons for this. I also argue that we need to stop accepting pagan definitions of what paganism is, because they are often idealised and not always analytically useful to those of us who are scholars. So I really think these reforms are needed to set the field on a better footing, if it were. And it should, of course, be stressed that these are not just problems for scholars of contemporary paganism. They are problems for people studying religion much more broadly, as, for instance, has been exemplified by uh, McCutcheon's Critics Not Caretakers book and all the debate that has ensued as a basis of that. Or okay. from that, rather. Thank you for that. Thank you. Um, what, what actually drew you to write a book about with Because from what I gather, your PhD is on an Anglo-Saxon... Yeah, yes. Um, yeah, I do have these sort of multiple, somewhat divergent research interests. Um, obviously, my university-based uh, education is National Archaeology Department, and has been devoted to studying uh, pre-Christian and sort of early Christian religion, particularly in the medieval context. But I just find Wicca really, really interesting, and I find contemporary paganism really, really interesting. There's just something about it that fascinates me. So I continued to conduct research while I was going through my university education, writing about, for instance, the etymology of the term Wicca and how it had been contested within the Wiccan community. I wrote about a particular uh, individual named Robert Cochran, who was a figure in the 1960s who was a rival to Gerald Gardner. I've written about the historical development of the Wiccan Reed, which is an ethical tenet that is found in Gardnerianism and certain other forms of, of Wicca. And while doing this, I really realised there is not one single book that introduces Wicca in an academic sense. There are 
practitioner volumes that do this, but they are really intent on sort of converting the reader to some extent and encouraging them to practice uh, Wicca. There are also many fantastic scholarly uh, studies of Wicca, but they're all focused. You have um, you know, uh, Sabino Magliocco's Switching Culture, which is a fantastic analysis of Wicca and wider pagan relationships with folklore. You have Ronald Hutton's The Triumph of the Moon, which is a study of early Wiccan history in Britain. You have uh, Helen Berger's uh, fascinating work on the sociology of the Wiccan and wider pagan community in parts of the US. You have all these fantastic studies. But if someone is completely new to the field, they're going to have to start reading all these different disparate bits rather than having one singular textbook, as it were, in which to start their journey of exploration. So really, I just thought there was a gap in the market, as it were, and I thought, well, I can fill it. So I, I did my best to do so. I completely agree, and I think you did a fantastic job as well. Thank you very much. Okay, just a, a final question. In your opinion, what does the future hold for Wicca? How do you see it developing? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I think the short term looks quite bright. Wicca is certainly not in terminal decline. It has lost some of the practitioners it gained in the 1990s and early 2000s as part of, sort of the teen witch movement. Lots of teenagers got involved, or teenagers and, and tweenagers, the people who were slightly younger than teenagers, they got involved because they saw young, attractive witches on Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the film The Craft, in Charmed, in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And there were books by uh, authors like Silver Ravenwolf that catered to them that encouraged these young people to become witches or Wiccans. Um, a lot of those individuals have now left the movement, or at least that's what sociological research suggests. This being said, the proportion of Wicca's numbers are, are fairly steady, so it's not in terminal decline. It is also, in, or at least some variants of Wicca are also, undergoing processes of routinization. They're trying to form uh, churches, uh, state sanctions or state-recognized um, churches. They are trying to establish uh, clergy that are officially recognized with, with official training for them. So that is taking Wicca in new directions, taking it into a more mainstream direction, perhaps, and away from its perhaps countercultural, uh, more hidden roots. Of course, Wicca developed very much in contrast to a Christian-dominated environment, and it acted as a counter to that. As Western society becomes less Christian and more multi-religious, I do sometimes wonder if Wicca will lose its appeal, at least for some people. Um, and it clearly hasn't shown its ability to become a mass religion. Rather, it seems to attract certain sorts of people. Uh, sociological studies have shown that the Wiccan community is, for instance, overwhelmingly white, uh, with a propensity for higher education, but not necessarily the concomitant higher incomes. It has a large proportion of, of women and LGBT people, and also those who had a chartered interest in mythology, folklore, or ancient Christian religion. Uh, they are also typically voracious readers and exhibit non-materialistic or post-materialistic uh, values. So there is a certain profile that is common to many, many practitioners of Wiccan. And, of course, that is not the same profile of everyone else in Western society. So I don't think Wicca is ever going to become uh, a religion that is equal in size or a rival to uh, Christianity or Islam or anything of that nature. And, indeed, that is something that has been anticipated 
from the start. I mean, if I may quote Gerald Garner, just to, to finish on, he argued that Wicca, and I quote, was and is not a cult for everybody. Unless you have an attraction towards the occult, a sense of wonder, a feeling that you can slip for a few minutes out of this world into the other world of fairy, it is of no use to you. So I think uh, that might summarise the question. No, that's a very, very good summary. Okay, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Um, just if you are interested in this subject, my book is now available. Um, if you, it would be great if people could ask their libraries to purchase it, or even just purchase a copy for themselves and for all their friends and family, because everyone wants to read this book. It's um, yeah. No, and I can I completely share this publicity there. Publicity there. <laughs> excellent book. Excellent book. Thank okay, you. Ethan, thank you very much for this. Thank you very much for having me on the show. And I look forward to reading um, your next book, possibly, yeah. in the very near future. And all the, all the best with your PhD. Cheers, thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Cheers, thanks, Damon. Bye. Wonderful to hear from Damon again. Um, he's been a regular uh, contributor and interviewer. Um, our only Greek member of the team, I believe, at this point. Mm -hmm. But um, we're always welcome to more Greeks and anybody else, quite frankly. Absolutely. Um, You were just telling me before the podcast, David, that uh, Damon's going to be contributing to an edition of the RSP co-sponsored journal, um, The Implicit Religion. Correct. Um, In a special issue on nationalism, which is being... um, co-guest edited by Liam Templeton Sutherland, another frequent uh, Religious Studies Project contributor. Do you want me to clap now? (laughs) Yeah, who you haven't heard from, perhaps, um, on air for a while, but he was um, one of the main attractions of the Christmas special. As uh, ever. As ever. So uh, stay tuned for that. December 21st, is it? Is that right? It's maybe the 19th. um, I've got it in front of me. Um, 19th of December 19th of December Holiday special Indeed Um, We're brought to you as ever in association with the British Association for the Study of Religions and the North American Association for the Study of Religions Thank you guys Wonderful stuff And um, next week we've got another of our Socrel series Indeed Um, And this one is with Anna Stran and it's um, on the subject of evangelicism and civic space um, and this interview was recorded at the EASR in Helsinki um, about a couple of months ago now. And um, what's quite nice is that this is Katie Aston's first interview for the Religious Studies Project. Um, you'll be hearing her again in the Christmas special as well. But um, Katie has just taken over as our features editor here at the Religious Studies Project, um, giving Kevin a well-deserved and much-needed break from a fairly um, central and quite demanding part of the RSP team. So, um, welcome Katie, and um, you can come back and hear her in action next week. Absolutely. Um, In the meantime, don't forget to check out our Facebook page, Twitter feed, Google+, YouTube, and don't forget to use our amazon.co.uk.com and .ca links when you're buying all that stuff that you like to buy. Because it'll really help us out. Um, I'm wittering, but we're just going to say the usual end. Thanks for... Thanks for listening.